Thank you for tuning in to the World Overcomers podcast. On behalf of our senior pastor, Andy Thompson, we appreciate your continued support and generosity. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast to receive updates when we post new content every week. If you would like more information or want to make a contribution to World Overcomers or Pastor Andy, visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Once again, that is www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Enjoy the message. World Overcomers, happy Wednesday. Come on, we getting over the hump. There's no place that you'd rather be, no place I'd rather be online on a Wednesday night other than World Overcomers Christian Church. I hope and pray uh, that the worship experience is already impacting you in a significant way. If you were with us last week, uh, you already know where we're going this week because we started a sermon series for the entire month of September. We started a sermon series on brainwashed, on brainwashed. So let's get into uh, the message. If you were here last week, if you were Uh, a part of the online audience last week. You know that we talked about the woman with the issue of blood in Mark chapter five. And we really highlighted her because although her finances are a mess, although her body is jacked up, although her relationships are a mess, uh, she has the power of right thinking. She has has the right mindset. She has uh, the mindset that she is going to be healed. And because of her thoughts, she actually does encounter the healing power of Jesus. And so uh, we want to use her and Jairus. We're going to get to Jairus by the end of this series. But I I then gave you five mindsets that we need to adopt. I wasn't able to go into detail on those five mindsets. Uh, Last week, we just kind of built a frame, and now we can start putting some walls up, okay? Uh, I want to talk about the five mindsets that you need to adopt. Uh, Let's see. If I can do them off memory, if you got your notes from last week, go ahead. Let's see if I can, if I can do this. Number one um, is a trust mindset, a trust mindset. You need to move from distrust to trust. Okay, the enemy always wants us to trust ourselves. But God says, I don't really need you to trust yourself. I want you to trust me. I want you to trust my word. I want you to trust my will. I want you to trust my way. I want you to trust what I've spoken over your life. And not just what I've spoken, but how I'm going to accomplish it. Uh, Number two is uh, an abundance mindset. Okay, an abundance mindset. Uh, I can't tell if that's number two or number three. No, number two is a faith mindset. Number three is an abundance mindset. Okay, so number two is a faith mindset. Uh, Not just a thought, not a faith thought, but a faith mindset. That faith becomes the, the default setting of my mind. That faith becomes the way that I think naturally. See, for most of us, uh, the thoughts of God don't come naturally because you still have the mind of Adam. And we want the thoughts of God to begin to come naturally. So we're not going to just attack uh, this issue at the thought level, but we're going to reach beyond the thought level and get to the mindset level and then reach beyond the mindset level and get to the mind level. We want to determine which mind is governing you. And when you have the mind of Christ and you have a mindset of faith, it's easy to have faith thoughts all day, every day. Actually, when you have the mind of Christ and you have a faith mindset, you begin to see faith all around you. 
it becomes your default setting. Uh, if we, and what we want to do in this sermon series is this. Uh, I gave a story about me upgrading from my black MacBook to me finally getting, you know, these, these sleek, silver, gray, you know, metal MacBooks and, and these things can handle new software. And what we talked about last week is that I did not have a software problem, but I had a hardware problem. Uh, and I was trying to put new wine into old wineskins. And most of us are trying to do the same thing when it comes to our thoughts. We're actually trying to put uh, new wine into old wineskins. So uh, it's funny. Uh, I had a, uh, an iPad, actually, that for whatever reason got a virus. I think I plugged it into like a bad USB port somewhere. I was traveling internationally. And so I had to restore factory settings to this device. And as soon as I restored factory settings, it wiped everything off of it and it put it back as if it had just came out of the store. And you wanna know what we wanna do in this sermon series? We wanna reset your factory settings. We wanna restore factory settings to the way you think because the virus of sin has probably gotten into the way that you think. The virus of Adam or Adamic thinking has begun to take over your mind. And we don't wanna just give you new thoughts. We wanna help you to develop a new mindset. And we don't just wanna give you a new mindset. We want you to have the mind of Christ as the operating system for your hardware. We want you to begin to restore factory settings that not only are you gonna lose the virus, but you may lose uh, some, some, some data, okay? That's fine. Uh, there are some things that you should forget. Let me actually build your faith. I wanna build your faith, okay? It's funny. Um, my wife, interestingly enough, uh, not in a mean way, this is actually just in a joking way, uh, likes to make fun uh, of all the girls I dated before I married her, okay? So anytime we're, you know, talking, she's like, yeah, but you dated so-and-so, right? It's kind of like her, her low blow, okay? It's kind of like, you know, if there's any time where we're just kind of going back and forth debating about something and she feels like she just wants a, a trump card to play, you know, she'll be like, yeah, but I mean, you dated, you dated so-and-so. And she'll pull up a picture of them now or whatever, or pull up a picture of them, of them then and be like, you, you thought this person was attractive. Like, what's wrong with you? You know, your eyes are broke. Your eyes don't work, da 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 So uh, one day, we were actually talking about something and she, and I was very, very open and honest with my wife about all of, you know, all of my sexual experiences before I got married, which is good. You don't want to go into marriage and people find out stuff uh, after the fact because you kept secrets. You actually want to have full disclosure before you go into marriage. That was especially important for me and my wife because I'm married a virgin. So I felt like she at least deserved you know, I wasn't a virgin, she was. She deserved for me to let her know, hey, this is how many sexual partners I've had, this is how many people I was sexually, you know, intimate with. Um, you know, it, it's not like I'm saying that it was good. I wasn't condoning it. I'm just saying, hey, I sinned, I messed up. Uh, you know, I fell short. Let me tell you, you know, who it is and, and what happened so that you know all the details. By the way, to all the men, like full disclosure, is good, okay, especially early. You, you, you never give people an opportunity to catch you if you always tell on yourself, okay? And the only men who hold lies are men who, who, who are still children. At the root of lying 
See, this ain't even in my notes. At the root of lying is fear. And I'm not scared of my wife because she's, she's not my mother. She's my wife. I'm not scared of her. I don't, I'm not scared that she's going to discipline me. That, that's not our relationship. If that was the case, then I wouldn't be, I, 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 why would I be married to someone if I'm looking for a parent? I'm not scared of her, especially because I'm in charge. I'm the one that's the leader. I'm the one that's in charge. There, it is totally illogical. You know how many times I'm at the barbershop or I'm out, I'm talking to guys, and they're hiding a phone, got a second phone, hiding stuff, living a lie, living a life that is a lie. And I just go, wait, why are you lying? Why are you acting like a 15-year-old boy? Why are you acting like an eight-year-old child as if your mom or your dad is about to catch you? My wife can't catch me doing anything. I don't need to hide anything because I'm not scared. I'm not scared of, she's not gonna beat me. If you are a man and you're hiding things, yo, do not allow shame or fear to keep you in the dark. If you're struggling with pornography, are you struggling with stuff? Hey, get that stuff into the light. You need to tell a pastor. You can need to tell your wife. You need to talk. You need to be open. If she can't handle the truth, then that means she's not mature. If you can't tell the truth, that means you're not mature. And if she can't handle the truth, that means she's not mature. If you're married, at least please tell me that you're mature. No point in two immature people choosing to be married. Okay, that's a whole tangent that we did not plan on going down. Whew, okay. So my wife is uh, talking to me and I, I, we were actually talking about sex because I let her know who I'd had sex with and what. And she actually said something about my past. And I was like, you know what's crazy? I don't remember that. I don't remember that. And she was like, what do you mean? I, you told me you had sex with this person. I'm like, I, I know that I did, but you know what? When I like came back to the Lord, I asked the Lord to take away all memories associated with, with, that, with that sinful experience. I asked God to wipe my memory so that I would not have anything on my hard drive related to women that I had sex with that weren't, that weren't my wife. And you know, God has actually been faithful. So when we say restore to factory settings, that's fine for God to delete some pictures and to delete some videos and to free up storage on, on my phone, that's fine. If I'm restoring the factory settings, there may be some memories that God gets rid of as well. Not only does God get rid of memories, but God also begins to reveal the full picture of memories that were traumatic. When I was six years old, my dad forgot to pick me up from school. This is a traumatic moment for me uh, because, I mean, he was like two, three hours late to get me from school. At first, it's kind of like recess part two. You know, you're just hanging out with all your friends and then, you know, there's 10 kids left and then five kids left and then one kid left. And then I'm standing there with my teacher and then I'm standing there with a police officer. Then I'm standing there with the principal. We're just waiting on the steps of St. Patrick's uh, Elementary School in Roxbury, Massachusetts, just waiting for my dad to come. And so uh, getting into adulthood, I had all these, uh, feelings of abandonment because my dad literally abandoned me. I mean, he was supposed to pick me up, forgot to pick me up. I knew even as a six-year-old when he came to finally get me, he told me, oh, you know, the car broke down. And I remember being six years old and saying, you're lying. 
you're li I know that's not true. And later on, I learned that my dad had been a drug addict for a lot of my life and moments like that began to make sense. So I'm 25 years old and I'm still looking for validation from women, looking for validation from pastors or employers because there's this void in, in, in my soul. There's this, there's this uh, absence of, of a father's presence in my life because uh, abandonment is what happens when you're not a priority and you understand, yeah, this person just chose drugs over me or they chose whatever over me. There's a litany of things that are more important than picking me up from school. And so that, that root of abandonment was, was, was in my soul. And not only did, did, did God begin to wipe memories, just totally take memories away of sexual encounters I had had uh, before I was married, but when I was 25 years old, it was almost like I was in this dreamlike state. I began to pray that God would heal some memories. And, and because I had suppressed that memory, I had to pray, Holy Spirit, bring that moment, bring any moment back to my memory so that you can heal it. Because God can't heal what you suppress. So, so I'm, I'm actually in a, in a small group prayer service in like a, a healing moment. And I remember the Holy Spirit brings back this memory and I'm immediately like, oh no, you know, not, not, not. I, 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 as soon as I saw the steps at St. Patrick's Elementary School, I knew, I knew. And because uh, I was taught, I was discipled that when I forgave my dad, I needed to forgive him memory by memory. And I'll tell you later why that's so important. Uh, so the Holy Spirit brings back this memory. It's almost like I'm reliving the experience and then I hear the Holy Spirit say, look around. And when I look around, there were five angels all around me, protecting me in that moment. And, and, and the Lord was present, speaking to me, giving me discernment. And he said, the reason why when your dad pulled up, he told you there was an issue with the car and you immediately knew that he was lying is because I deposited in you a spirit of discernment to protect you, and I sent angels to stand guard around you because the anointing of the Lord has been on your life since you were a child. And immediately a moment that, that had, had lodged this void in my life of abandonment, God didn't just wipe it clean and, and take it away. He actually began to reveal, like when Elisha says to his servant, God opened his eyes that he may see, that there's horses of chariots and of fire all around the physical army that's there to, to attack us. God began to open my eyes to see that it was not just the police officer, it was not just the principal, it wasn't just my teacher and my friends and my dad. No, that angels were there and that the presence of the Lord was there speaking to me and giving me a spirit of discernment when I was six years old. So the Holy Spirit begins to wipe memories clean. When you say, I want to restore my mind to factory settings, you better be ready that there are some fantasies that you can't go play in anymore because the, the, because the Holy Spirit may wipe some things out of your memory as if it didn't exist. And I remember being in the car, my wife is kind of making fun of me about this experience. And I, and I said, yo, I literally don't 
remember. I don't remember. It's almost as if I got amnesia. I don't remember that. Second, the Holy Spirit begins to take you back to memories and help you to heal from whatever traumatic experiences you've had. Third, this is why we, he, we, we actually forgive memory by memory. Because some of you, you've forgiven, uh, but then after you forgive the person, <laughs> the enemy loves to do this. The enemy begins to um, remind you of more stuff that they did. Or you begin to learn about more stuff that they did. And now you're re-angry. <laughs> You've gotten upset again. You're angry again. It's, it's kind of like, I'll use this metaphor or this analogy. It's kind of like, I don't know if you've ever been in an argument with someone or had a confrontation. And, you know, it kind of threw you off guard. And so maybe later that day, you know, you're driving or maybe you're in the shower or whatever. And you start thinking of all the things you should have said while you were in that confrontation with someone. Come on, let me know in the chat if this ever happened to you. You're, you have a confrontation. You know, it kind of throws you off guard. You, you, you defend yourself. You know, it's not like it, the conversation was just a total fail. You defend yourself. It is what it is. But then later, you start thinking of all of these comebacks. You start thinking of all the things you could have said. Sometimes what happens with forgiveness is if you forgive someone, what happens is later on, you get flooded with all the things that they did that you didn't forgive them for. And so the reason that I always tell people, no, you actually, you actually want to, 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 you want to get a therapist. You want to get a pastor. You do want to go through a process where you forgive memory by memory because you don't want to leave a foothold for the enemy to then uh, trigger you with all the things you didn't forgive them for. So you're not just forgiving the person, you're forgiving them for all of the things they did. So when I forgave my dad, I forgave him for taking me to a crack house when I was five. I forgave him for abandoning, abandoning me at the school when I was six. I forgave him for the time I was eight when I showed up to his job and he wasn't there. I forgave him for the time I was nine when he left me and my mom in the house with no food. You know, I forgave him memory by memory by memory by memory because the last thing I want is to forgive this man, to let him go, and then all of a sudden, I'm living my life, or I'm talking to my mom, or I'm talking to him, or I'm just living, and all of a sudden, a memory comes up. Uh, if that happens, you have to deal with that new memory immediately, or else the enemy will start getting into your head and making you upset again at what that person did. And I know people, they're struggling to forgive and the person that they are actually struggling to forgive, they've actually been deceased. They've gone on, you know, they're not even alive anymore. And your memory is the thing keeping you in bondage. Your memory is the thing that's keeping you trapped. So you don't just want to forgive the person. You want to forgive the person for the memories they caused you. And you want to actually ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, bring all this stuff back to my memory so that I can forgive them actively. Um, so that I can begin to put some defenses up so that anytime I think about this, it doesn't trigger me again. All right. Man, we, we actually just kind of took a... So I'll just say this. Uh, chapter nine of my book, Brainwashed, is all about what I just said. Uh, chapter nine, 
chapter 8 and 9 of my book, Brainwashed, deals with how to help you with your memories, how to help you with memories that have traumatized you, how to help you with memories that were either pleasurable or traumatizing. Because everyone deals with those two memories. Memories that were pleasurable, so you've got all these memories of your frat days, and so now you can't have a healthy, fulfilling uh, sexual relationship with your wife because you got all these memories of crazy stuff you did, wild nights you had, you know? And so now you can't enjoy your wife because of all these memories. For some, for some men, I know for some men, it's memories of pornography. You've got all these mental images that have been burned onto your brain, that your brain has been, you know, has been branded with all these images. And now, again, you can't even have a, a healthy sexual relationship with your wife because of all these memories that you've built up because of pornographic experiences. Um, so A, pleasurable experiences can keep you in bondage. But traumatic experiences can keep you in bondage as well. Interestingly enough, not, not to only talk about sex or to talk about men and women, but I do know men and women that were sexually abused in some way, touched inappropriately, and that trauma has affected the health of the sexual relationship between husband and spouse. And so a pleasurable experience can keep you bound, a traumatic experience can keep you bound, and the, the last two chapters of my book deal heavily with how to begin to get over the hurdle of your memories because the enemy wants to use your memories to actually keep you in the past. He wants to use your memories to either make you think that this pain was so great that this pain has to define me or that this pleasure was so great um, that what I'm dealing with now is actually, I'm, com I'm always comparing it to God. The, the, the devil will either make you wallow in the pain of a traumatic experience or the enemy will make you glorify and fantasize an old pleasurable memory to keep you locked in something that you that God has actually delivered you from. Um, and so if, if you really do struggle uh, with with flashbacks, with memories, whether those are pleasurable memories or traumatic memories, um, I, I think that my book Brainwash would help you a lot. You can get it on Amazon. You can pre-order it if it's before September 13th. You can order it after September 13th. Um, I know you may be watching this live, but other people are going to watch this later and later and later. So um, whatever is appropriate, whether it's pre-ordering or ordering the book, get the book. I think it'll really help you. Okay. Um, I, I believe the Holy Spirit just kind of took us in a, in a totally different direction. I wasn't going to talk about memories uh, uh, tonight. That's not what I was going to talk about. But that is what I've talked about for the last 20 minutes. And actually, I believe that, that the Holy Spirit is, 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 is working and is speaking. And so um, right now, I just want you to do something in the chat. If, if, you, if you have actually been struggling with, like, you know, just stuff from your past, whether it's memories of trauma or memories of, of, of sin and pleasure, uh, can you just, like, can you just let me know in the chat Hey, this is for me. This is for me. 
you are helping me, you're preaching to me, this is for me, just let me know. Um, Cause sometimes I blame things on my ADHD and then the Holy Spirit goes, that ain't your ADHD, that's me, that's the Holy Ghost. Um, and so this is one of those moments where I just need to know if this is for you. So let me know in the chat if this is for you. Um, because I don't think it's my ADHD. I actually think the Lord kind of led us on a path. Okay, let's talk about the five mindsets that you need to adopt. Five mindsets that you need to adopt. Okay, you probably took notes on this uh, last week. I'm going to give you all five really quick, and then we can spend some time on, on the first one, okay? Number one, you need to adopt a trust mindset. Number two, a faith mindset. Number three, an abundance mindset. Number four, an identity mindset. And number five, an interdependence mindset. Okay, five mindsets that you need to adopt. Uh, let's talk about a trust mindset. In order to talk about a trust mindset, we need to go to Genesis chapter three. Genesis chapter three, we're gonna start reading right at the top of Genesis chapter three. We're gonna start in verse one. It says this, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. Verse four, you will not certainly die. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Okay, I want us to center our attention around verse five. Okay, for God knows that when you eat from this tree, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Okay, so much to say right there. Uh, first, let's deal with the relational aspect that's happening here. I'm not a relationship expert. Pastor Andy is a relationship expert. I'm not a relationship expert. But I can't help but see that Adam is there. While the serpent is talking to Eve, Adam is there, which means also I can't help but tell us that God never tells Eve the rules about the tree directly. Just going to point some stuff out, okay? Uh, so God talks to Adam, and it's Adam's job to talk to Eve. Here we go. God talks to Adam, and it's Adam's job to talk to Eve. God says to Adam, hey, don't eat from the tree in the middle of the garden. God is the one that gives Adam the commandment about the tree, and it's Adam's responsibility to teach his wife God's word and God's will and God's command. That's Adam's job, is to uh, lead his wife, teach his wife, Pastor his wife, okay, to, to protect the mindset that is going to operate in their family. So God does not skip over Adam to go talk to Eve. However, because the serpent knows 
that God won't skip over Adam to talk to Eve. The serpent will go talk to Eve himself because the serpent knows, ah, I may not get far talking to Adam. Adam be talking to God directly. So let me test whether or not Adam has been a good husband because I, whoo, I don't believe that Adam has really done his job, and I don't think Adam is going to protect Eve from me. And that's exactly what happens. The serpent is right, and the serpent is still right. We still have men who will not pastor their wives, will not lead their wives, and will not teach their wives what God has to say. We still have men who think that God is going to skip over them and just talk to their wife. And that is not the biblical precedent that we have in Scripture. This is even in the New Testament. There's women in the Corinthian church that are talking out of turn, asking the pastor questions while the sermon is going on. And Paul says, hey, these women shouldn't be talking in church. Tell these women to ask their husbands at home about what the pastor is saying from the pulpit. Because it is the man's job to teach, lead, and pastor his family. And if you are a man watching this and you have abdicated your responsibility to teach, pastor, and lead your wife and your children, I'm sorry, but I need you to get it together. And I need to remind you of your job. Your job is to, is to hear what God is saying and to drill it into Eve's ears because Eve is going to come into contact with the serpent and the serpent is going to test whether or not you did a good job of telling your wife what God said. You have to see all four players here. God, Adam, Eve, serpent. God, Adam, Eve, serpent. God talks to Adam, serpent talks to Eve. Whew! I see this being played out in marriages every day, all the time. God's talking to the husband. The serpent's talking to the wife. And the husband does not interfere in what the serpent is saying to the wife. And the wife wants to interfere into what God is saying to the husband. You see this when the husband says things like, Hey, I feel like the Lord is telling me to blah, blah, blah. And the wife says, well, then God needs to tell it to me too. And I go, give me Bible and verse for that, please. Please. Recently, me and my wife moved to Dallas, Texas. And I remember the day I was like, hey, God told me we're moving to Dallas. My wife didn't say, well, God needs to tell me. Because I married a good wife. I married someone who knows how to be a wife. She did not need God to tell her. Because God talks to me, and I talk to her. That's how that works. That is how a biblical marriage is supposed to function. God talks to the husband. The husband talks to the wife. The wife talks to all the kids. That is the biblical pattern. Now, the serpent knows. The serpent is like, eh, I'm going to talk to the wife. Because the wife didn't hear this from God. The wife heard this from Adam. And I'm going to test whether or not the wife can hear. And I'm going to test whether or not Adam can teach well. So what does Eve say? 
Eve now says, yeah, we're not even supposed to touch the tree, which is not what God said at all. God didn't say that, which means Adam got it wrong when he was teaching Eve. Or Eve made up some stuff that Adam didn't say. And this is how the serpent gets a foothold into your house. He splits the husband and the wife because the enemy always wants to divide and conquer. He splits you, divides you, and now tells the wife, he's testing whether or not the wife can actually listen to the husband and whether or not the husband can communicate effectively to the wife. Here's the worst part of all this. Adam's trifling self is there the whole time because, get this, verse what? Six, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it, which means he's there. He's present the whole time. He hears the entire conversation between the serpent and Eve and never steps in never says anything, which means the first sin of Adam is to not properly teach his wife what God said. The first sin of Adam is to fail, to fail, to teach his wife in an appropriate manner about the character of God and how to trust God. That's the first sin of Adam. The second sin is to stand there passively while the serpent has a whole conversation with his wife. So the first sin of Adam is inaction. The second sin of Adam is inaction. These are both sins of omission, not commission. So often it is almost like in our culture, we have made it seem like the first sin of man is to abuse women or to abuse their authority over women. But that is not the first sin of man. The first sin of man is actually not to even use the authority that God gave him to protect Eve and to serve Eve. The first thing that he was supposed to do was to be adamant about teaching her. Adam should have been saying, baby, oh my goodness, look. Look at how many trees God gave us. Let's focus on all the trees God gave us. God's good. Oh, God's so good, he gave me you. Oh, God can be trusted. I know I've known him longer than you've known him. I want to tell you how awesome he is, how good he is. He can be trusted. I know so much about his character. I got to teach you about his character. Yeah, you know what? There's a tree that we're not supposed to eat from, but the reason we don't eat from it, the reason we don't eat from that tree is because we trust God. That's why we don't eat from that tree. We, 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 we can touch it. I mean, there's nothing wrong with touching it, but really, we don't eat from it. We're never going to eat from it because there's so many other trees to eat from. See, baby, look, God provides more trees than he prohibits. He only prohibited one tree, but he's provided us with millions of trees because that says something about the character of God. He let me name the animals. You know, before you got here, God let me name the animals. He let me name the animals because he trusts me, you know. He's the kind of God that likes to co-labor with people. This God is amazing. He, he comes in the cool of the day every day. You're going to get to meet him for yourself, you know. And, and God talks to me, and, and my responsibility is to, is to tell you the things that, that God says. So you actually have to trust 
trust me as I'm trusting God. I trust God, you trust me, and you trust God. And you know what? I, I trust you too. You, you, you get the picture. Adam was supposed to teach Eve. But you can't teach someone stuff you don't know. You can't give what you don't have. So Adam fails. It's a sin of omission, not commission. Second sin. Adam stands there in passivity, in silence, while the serpent, uh, while the serpent tricks and deceives Eve into eating the fruit first. Which is terrible because Adam should have stepped up and stopped the conversation. Adam should have protected his wife. So the first sin of man is inaction, and the second sin of man is passivity. So if you're a man and you have not taken a role in your family's life to teach them the Bible, to teach them about God, and to be an active force in their life, an active force of wisdom and faith and truth, then you are a passive male, and that is a problem. Our society and culture wants to act like <laughs> that it's the abuse of men that is a problem. When actually I run into more passive men than I run into overly aggressive men. Now, that just may be my own personal experience, but the reality is that I know more men who are passive, who are emasculated. The problem with Adam is he is an emasculated man. He should be taking his rightful place as the man of the home to teach Eve and to direct their family and to protect her from the serpent, and he fails to do that, which means he is a passive, emasculated man. <laughs> I don't know a ton of aggressive men who abuse women, but what I do know is a bunch of passive men who are lazy, who don't do much. <laughs> they don't teach, they don't lead, they don't protect, they don't really do much of anything. Uh, they, they, these are not abusers or aggressors, these are passive men who are falling into the trap of Adam. Because Adam and Eve now rebel against God, the root of their sin is that they do not trust in what God has said. And that is why the first mindset we have to establish is a trust mindset. I got a whole lot of sermon left, but I am unfortunately out of time. So here we go. I will give you, I'll go deeper into a trust mindset next week. That's the beauty of always having a next week. I'm happy, this, I get to spend all of September with you. So we will be right here. We will pick up exactly where we left off next week uh, because there's actually five mindsets that Adam then starts to walk in and there's five mindsets that we need to reject and five mindsets we need to adopt. And so we're actually gonna continue to look at Adam and Eve um, as we begin to reject the mind of Adam and to adopt the mind of Christ. All right, uh, if this is helping you, I want you to give. I want you to sow. Book. Let me pray for every giver tonight. God, I thank you right now for every single person uh, maybe gathered around an Apple TV or gathered around a MacBook or gathered around uh, their iPad or, or was watching this by themselves on their phone. God, I ask that your word would be true and that every man would be a liar. God, we ask that you would give clarity 
God, I ask that you would even go beyond what I could say on stage tonight and that you would begin to peel back the layers of what I'm saying for everyone watching, even as this broadcast ends. God, we thank you for every gift. We thank you for every giver. God, we ask that this church would be fruitful, that we would adopt the mind of Christ. And as we go through this material, God, I ask that you would do what no uh, pastor or preacher could do, that you would help us in our thinking. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hey, World Overcomers, we'll see you live here in person on Sunday, and I'll see you online virtually next Wednesday as we continue to go deeper into the message of Brainwashed and reject the mind of Adam and adopt the mind of Christ. Love you guys. Peace. Hopefully you were blessed and encouraged by this message. Visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast for more information on WOCC and events that are coming up. Maybe we are coming to your area soon. God bless.